Our verses today are going to be Galatians chapter 1, and I will be going, I'll read 6 through 10. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Amen. If you pray with me, now Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations deep within all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You've heard people talk about the 11th <coughs> hour, meaning that it is almost right up to the deadline before something gets done. I did not have a sermon ready when I said, let's have a service. I had a verse in my head. I did not have a sermon. And all day yesterday, I was writing away, writing away, jotting stuff down, getting this sermon packed together. And it was off because my wife finally got her wish, and I read Psalm 119 to her, and it took a while because it's long. And in Psalm 120 right after that, at the very end was these words, Too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So I had that, that verse, those two verses, and I was writing, and everything was going good. I had the sermon notes were coming out, and then stuff started feeling funny. Like I wasn't still on track with where I needed to be. So I stopped. Or potentially I was stopped. <coughs> you see, in the haste to get a sermon ready, I had strayed off the path of what that section of Scripture actually said. Now, it wasn't to the point where it was heretical or anything, but I wasn't getting the meat of that section of scripture out. I told Brenda last night that it's quite a bit like trying to fix a broken leg with plates and screws and never opening the skin up. I knew what the, the issue was in the scripture. I knew what had to be done. I didn't take the appropriate path to get it done. So what I was doing, I was forcing the words of God into a mold to make my point for me and not the point of what the text was trying to tell us. So as the sermon slowly crumbled before me, I was left with nothing for today. Nada. I was going to speak about how Christians are living in a world right now that is at war, and how despite all that, we must continue in peace. But 
like I said, it just started feeling like I was struggling to make the point. So I stopped. Because I know I have no power, none, no power whatsoever to change the word of God. Nor do I want to. Up here, behind this pulpit, and in life, we must stay true to the word of God. We need to convey what scripture is telling us. We need to convey that in truth. It cannot be my thoughts, it cannot be your thoughts or our opinions. It has to be what God is saying. And to stray from the word of God is dangerous. And to some, we would even say treasonous. To bring my words, to bring my teaching, and say, thus saith the Lord, to my thoughts and my teachings is very treacherous. It's a very treacherous road upon which to walk, and it has earthly and eternal consequences. You see here in this group, I've been entrusted with souls to lead and guide. And every person who steps to a pulpit Every person that witnesses and preaches and testifies of Jesus Christ, of Lord and Savior, is also under that same set of rules. That you bring the word of God to the people. You don't put your words in it. You don't tell them, thus saith the Lord, when it's thus saith you. And this can be at times a very daunting task. A task that with me personally has called, caused sleeplessness and it's caused internal turmoil. A task that has also brought great joy and elation as I've seen growth in people. I've seen them really wanting to feed on the Word of God. I see great joy and elation in all of this growth that many of you who were unprepared to share your faith have been able to go out and share your faith, that you've now found the words to articulate what you were trying to say. You've found the words to convey your Lord and Savior and the image that's portrayed in Scripture out to other people. And I have some great pride at how far some of you have come in doing that. The inclination of man, our sinful hearts, is to want to take credit. It's my preaching, it's my leadership, it's my magnetic personality that has done this. When in fact it's the Spirit of God. And I will tell you that behind a pulpit a man must remain humble and dedicated to the task at hand. The boundaries that are laid out for me and all of us are the teachings from Genesis to Revelation. This is the pasture. This is the fencing inside where the sheep can graze, where the sheep can feed, where the sheep can grow fat spiritually on God's word. 
inside inside this pasture is where I must stay as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This isn't a suggestion that I'm giving you that when we go out and witness that we should probably stay within the confines of Scripture. Not a suggestion at all. It's a wrought iron fact. It's like the wrought iron bars of a jail cell. Even if the door or the gate is left ajar, even if I see some grass on the other side of the fence or through that gate that looks greener, I must remain in the confines of Scripture, as you must. This is not a choice that we have. It's not something that we will choose to do, that one day we can use worldly means to draw people in to tell them about Christ. Not a choice at all. It's fact that we must stay within the Bible. We must be faithful and true to everyone that we talk to about the Lord, that we are portraying Jesus Christ and God from the Bible as who they are. And not some different personality or some different person that that one people hear of him, they will get in their own Bibles and say, this is not the person that I was told about. Paul wrote in verse 8, If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. The NIV renders that eternally condemned. The weight of my words and the weight of our words carries eternal consequences. That's why so many times I've stood up here and I've told you that I despise when a verse is taken out of context. When they take a verse out of context and they slap it on a cup or a shirt and they make it so that it says something that God never intended it to say. While it looks good, what it does is bring people false hope. We see catchy slogans and sayings that are attributed to the Bible and God that are in fact nowhere in Scripture. Nowhere. One of the big ones is, well, God won't give you any more than you can handle. That is found in zero places in the scripture. These are the false words of God that are preached and are accursed. All of us as Christians, when speaking to people, when praying with people, when witnessing of Christ to people, must be conscious of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Any way that we point, and I mean all of us, any way that we point people that is not scriptural can carry the weight of eternity upon it. And that is not the way that most Christians think nowadays. Most Christians have a they have a, a mission that they've set themselves upon to get everybody saved. And it's almost like as they were talking about Ohio State earlier, the stickers on the helmets for how many ever tackles. Like you're gonna get a sticker on your Christian helmet if you have so many salvations. Or they have numbers on brag boards that says one million saved. 
like medals on their chest, like they're in an army, that as many people as they can get saved, they will get a medal for, and they will clink and clang as they walk into the church, and everybody will look up to them because they are a great and mighty soul saver. They have this weird push to add numbers to the book of life. And what they will do is they will tell people anything and everything that they can do to get them to say, I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Anything and everything. They'll tell them anything they want to hear just to get that number. You don't like the grass within God's pasture? There's a little handful from the other side of the fence. Eat your fill, goat, and join the flock within the pasture. We hear about goats and sheep of the people of God. God is our shepherd and we are his sheep. And we hear about goats. In the church today, and Christians today are trying to turn goats into sheep. Instead of saying, staying faithful to God's word and going out and finding the lost sheep, preaching the unadulterated word of God to the lost sheep, they try and turn a goat into a sheep. Christianity is in a sad state because of all those who wish to get people saved. Salvation has become a work of man. The gospel has been perverted. And no one will stand from behind the pulpit and say, stop this insanity. Just stop. The gate is ajar and you're outside the fence. It isn't our job to save people. Our job, our responsibility is to be faithful and true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia regarding this very thing. Paul was, and they used the word amazed. He said, I am amazed at how quickly you've deserted him. How quick the church swayed from the truth. Other translations use the word astonished. We've really let the English language go in today's society. Because the word amazing can be used for just about anything. If a little kid ties his shoes correctly, it's amazing. But in the time that Paul was using it, the word amazing was amazing. It was astonishing. As in, wow, I can't believe this. We literally just got done telling you this and you've already turned your back. And they were swaying so far as to say Christ has been deserted. <clears throat> if you think about the word deserted, if somebody's deserted the army, that's treason and it's an imprisonable offense. Deserted, wholly forsaken, abandoned, left. Paul and the people of Christ had went in and preached the gospel to the church at Galatia, 
and they turned their back on this because they heard something from somebody else that they liked even more. They weren't schooled enough in their scriptures and they weren't schooled enough in what they needed to do and how their life should be that astonishingly and amazingly they turned their back on Christ and deserted him. Not being rooted in scripture, they heard this better message and abandoned the faith that was preached to them. And this should sound familiar because it happens honestly every day in the world that we're living in. In America, the gospel is all over and it can be found easily. We have Bibles that are legal to have. You can have one, you can have a hundred, you can have a million Bibles. In some countries, it's punishable by death to have even one page. We have free speech to talk about the gospel. It's not illegal in this country to talk about the gospel. In some countries, it's punishable by death. Yet, yet many, when they hear the truth of Jesus Christ, they desert the truth to follow after a different gospel. And this isn't something new and it's not something odd. It's not something that is new to us. Ecclesiastes 1.9, the preacher, he says, The thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. What Paul was dealing with at the church in Galatia is what all of us are dealing with. Now we need to look at this from two different angles. One, if we're going to go out and witness and we're going to tell others about our faith and we're going to be to the point where we're are sold out and in love for with Christ. We have to seek out the true gospel and we have to be ready to stand against anything that this world's going to throw at us and preach and witness of and testify of the true gospel and the true Christ. Number two, we must be very diligent to watch over our faith in our walk. We can be easily swayed if we're not rooted in Scripture. It's happened to many. It's happened to many who have been swayed away from the true gospel. It happened in Galatia. It happened at their church. It happened in Revelation where Jesus was talking to the different churches about where they stood with the gospel. And we must be on guard to watch over our faith and make sure that the faith we have and the Jesus that we ourselves are worshiping and in love with is the true Jesus of Scripture. Otherwise, we have a surprise that will be coming. And as I said, many different things will be thrown at you and, and not all of them are going to be obstacles. Hey, look at that green grass over there. It looks like that gate's open. 
Maybe you should walk through there and try some of that. Hey, hey, look at this writing they found in a cave. It wasn't all there, but they, uh, they had to fill in some of the blanks. But it disproves so much of the Bible, this writing that they found. Which gets them into a one-source versus multi-source debate. And I'm talking about the various Gospels that they've allegedly found, like the Gospel of Enoch and the Gospel of Thomas and all of these Gospels that they have pulled out of caves that weren't all there, that they filled in all the blanks. And now we've got this new Gospel that, that everybody's clamoring right to when you literally have a whole book of Gospels. You have accounts from four men and you have thousands of pages of scripture that points you to the true Jesus Christ. And they will take their Bibles and they will throw them down. And they will say, ah, I don't need that because I got this, this gospel here that they found in a cave that they had to just add a few words to. And it disproves all of that one. Potentially, on the same you could have somebody that says, hey, look at this. They found that right next to this one in the cave. But this one, it adds so much to Scripture. It makes me th see things I never saw reading the text before. It makes me see things in the Bible that I've just never seen. Nobody's ever seen. Why? I've got a different look at Scripture than anybody in this whole world. If your look at Scripture is different than anybody in the entire world, your look at Scripture is wrong. There has been people that have studied the Bible. They have millions of writings that are out there of men that are a million times smarter than I'll ever be. And if they have either addressed your new, newfound vision or if they haven't discussed it, there's probably a pretty good chance that you have went outside of the confines of the pasture. And maybe this one will sound familiar. Hey, look at this beautiful fruit. Did God honestly say, do not eat of this fruit? You see, there's nothing new under the sun. The stuff that we're dealing with today is nothing new. People have dealt with this for generations and generations and generations. What we have to do is stay true to Scripture and stay true to the Word of God. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to keep going day in and day out, no matter what it looks like. Paul, in his second letter to Timothy told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What it's all going to come down to, and it's a lesson I know, and that I hope that you will have a better understanding of, is this. And it's actually a question. It's the same question that Paul asked in verse 10. Do we seek to please God or man? Do we seek to please God or do we seek to please man? 
And this is a question that needs so much thought. We're in very weird times right now, but it's nothing new. Our political atmosphere has people at each other's, other's throats. Standing firmer on their political beliefs and their political leanings than they do the Word of God. Multiple Gospels void of scriptural backing have been unleashed. Unleashed like a tidal wave upon the world. These Gospels found in caves and under rocks and wherever they found them. Add a few words and throw them into the world. The tidal wave comes. And here we stand upon the rock. Holding fast to our Bibles. Knowing that the world hates Christ, that the world hated Christ. And in turn, if we stand on this rock and we stand with Christ who is hated, we too shall be hated by the world. So what do we do? Do we bow at the world's feet? Do we embrace the world system and try in vain to be man-pleasers? Know this, dear Christians, brothers and sisters. If you seek to please man and get along with a world that holds Jesus Christ in contempt, you are a man-pleaser and will not have the approval of God. Paul ended verse 10. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The master that you serve, where your loyalty lies, will show your priorities. You will only please God, or you're only going to please man. You cannot please both. You will be a bondservant to one or the other. A bondservant is, de is defined as a slave, one who is subjected to the authority of another, one who their person or liberty is restrained. Jesus told us in Matthew 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. We have to be ready to either serve the world or serve Jesus Christ. It's an either or. It's an either or endeavor in our spiritual walk. There is no tightrope between the world and Christ. There is no fence that we can be on and walk on. You have to be on one side or the other. We can't be with a foot in each. As I prepared what I was writing, the sermon that I talked about earlier, it would for sure have been a man-pleaser. But I couldn't consciously say that it would have pleased God. I was making scripture say what I wanted. And you know what? It's okay that I've seen that. And it's okay that what happened happened because we're all going to learn. It's okay 
It is okay if you have swayed over into pleasing men. There's always time to come back. Even to your last breath, there's time to come back and serve Christ. There's always time to get them Bibles out and know the Christ of the Bible. There's always time to be true to Scripture. It's not, it's not a done deal. And like I said, it happened to me and it's going to happen to all of us at one time or another. But we must recognize that we've strayed off the past and we must recognize that we must be restrained. I was off the path a little bit and I thought, this grass tastes different. This word sounds a little off to me. I wasn't wrong. Like I said, I wasn't heretical. I wasn't wrong, but I also wasn't right. I was almost right. And as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, I must and you must, I must and you must be diligent with the Master's words. Not giving a false hope and not giving a false message on worldly standards, but a pure, unadulterated message alone on the hope that lies in Jesus Christ alone. When Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve, he didn't mean just for that day. He meant from here on out, from this day forward. Today I say, your choice has been made. We're either going to keep going in the world, or we're going to get to know every jot and tittle of the Master's words. Everything that is inside the pasture for the sheep that I call the Holy Bible. We're going to seek to please God and not man. Because it's very simple. If, if you seek to please man, if that's the one thing in this life that you want to do is please man, if you want to get on with this world and get along with this world, and you want to leave your Christianity and your Christ sitting on the sidelines, you will never be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You must put the world away. You must follow him. To the cross, you must follow him. To Golgotha, you must crucify your sins upon the cross and keep going after Christ. You are a bondservant, and if you are a bondservant, you are indebted to the Master, and you are to follow the Master and be true to your Master. And I want all of you to look and see which Master it is that you're being true to. Which side of the fence your feet are upon. What kind of grass you're eating in the pasture. 
And what kind of a shepherd stands over your flock? Amen. Amen. <laughs>